Okay, this morning, I'm just going to read uh, several different scriptures. Uh, usually, I don't do it this way, but that just is the way that God is, is leading me to do it this morning. And so here we are. Uh, we'll begin in Exodus, and I'm going to read from Exodus, the 12th chapter. Exodus 12, and verse 1, it says, And the Lord spoke unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt. And, of course, we know that Egypt here always speaks of the world system. Saying, This month will be unto you the beginning of months. And, of course, this, type, this is the type of our new life, our beginning in Christ it's going to be a beginning because remember he led them out, Moses being the type of Jesus Christ. He, in he, the work that God was doing through him, he himself wasn't the type, but the work that God was doing through him was. And he, was le he led them out of Egypt, out and into their new beginning on their way to their promised land. See, that's where we are right now. We're in this world in John 17, in verse 14 and 16, Jesus was in the world, but he wasn't of it. And not a, not a single thing about Jesus was of this world, not the language of this world, not the words of this world. There wasn't a single thing about Jesus Christ that was of this world. And, and it says in John 17 and verse 16, and neither it should be with us. And that's why right away in the 17th verse of John 17, he said, sanctify them. And that's always a separating, sanctifying, purging, purifying fire of the word that does that, that separates. So sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. And Jesus himself even said, for our sakes, that he did, he sanctified himself in John 17 and verse 19. And, and so here, it says again, this month will be unto you the beginning of months, and it will be the first month of the year to you. And, and speak unto all the congregation of Israel, saying in the tenth day, and tenth here, is a number that specifically here speaks of this, this judicial completion, meaning his love and justice has been dealt with by Jesus Christ, the type that we're going to see here this morning. So speak unto them, saying, In the tenth day of the month they will take to them every man a lamb. A, and really the original says a kid. And so we know that Jesus Christ was cut off at 33 and a half years of age in the prime of his life. I mean, just the prime when everything should be so phenomenal, like in our life. It reaches this apex and it's incredible. He was cut off here as a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating. Notice that. Every man. You can, eat, you can have as much of it as you desire. You can feed on him. You and I can feed on Christ as much 
as we can and as much as we desire. And we don't have to limit him in Psalm 78 and verse 41 like Israel uh, did. And we can learn by them. And so it says, Every man according to his eating will make your count for the lamb. Your lamb. Isn't that awesome? Your lamb. See, everything that Christ did, he did for us specifically. Your lamb will be without blemish. That's why in Song of Solomon 4 and verse 7, and that goes into Christ, first and foremost, brought out by certain types, that certain that others that don't understand the beauty of Christ will make it something other than that. When that Song of Solomon points to Jesus Christ and his beauty in the most incredible way. That's why it says in Song of Solomon 4 and verse 7, You are all fair, my love. You're beautiful. There's no spot in you. In other words, the beauty of Christ is in you, the treasure in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7. And it'll be a male of the first year, of the first year. You will take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and you will keep it up until the 14th day of of the same month. At one point, we'll get into the really uh, into the numbers here, but we want to keep going because there's so much I, I, I believe that God wants to, to bring out. But it was the 14th day of the same month, and we'll see how that works. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel will kill it in the evening. And that's when Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross. And these are the types that are bringing it out. And he, he was killed, but we know in John 10, 17 and 18, no man took his life from him. Remember, we must always remember, death never took him. He gave himself over to death. We're going to see the beauty of that this morning. Verse 7 says, And they will take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts on the upper door of the post, wherein they will eat it. And this is always... It always speaks of the marvelous work of Christ, his person, what he's accomplished, and as we, we fellowship with it. And this is bringing out the beauty of 1 John 1, 7. Walk in the light as he is in the light. Walk in the light. And you have fellowship, and you will experience what his spiritual death with his blood, which is the witness of it, constantly cleanses us, we're cleansed forever in our position, but we're to experience it as we feast on him, as we feast on him, and we do it together in a most beautiful way. Verse 8 says, and they will eat the, the flesh in that night, roast with fire. You see, this is fire. This is the holiness. This is God's love and justice and his holiness. And as, as, it, as we eat it, it is purged. It's that fire that consumes anything in us that's not of who Christ is in us and who we are in him. We, we roast with fire and what? With unleavened bread, pure. See, there's a purging and a purity that goes on in this fellowship that we have with Christ individually and as we come together. And notice it says, with bitter herbs will they eat it. And this is teaching 2 Corinthians 7, 
verse 10. There's always going to be a godly sorrow, but it's never with regret, ever. It's never with a regret. And it's not a worldly sorrow which is loaded with regret. And so here, again, that to eat it with bitter herbs. Eat it, eat none of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire. And this is bringing out everything that Christ had to go through by himself with the purity of God's love and justice coming out with a fire of wrath upon him. And it was not, and it was not to have... It was not to be raw, it was to be completely consumed. I mean, our precious Savior was completely consumed in propitiation to his Father so that he could be the purity of that lamb that would be our substitute, whereby we would be, and oh boy, I love this word, and this needs to be done, and this can't be done by any man's imagination or any man's will or any type of interpretation of the scriptures outside of the power of the Holy Spirit, taking the things of Christ and showing it unto those that are of a broken spirit in Psalm 34, 18, and a contrite hard heart. Because otherwise, anything that flows out of our mouth and not in brokenness, there's absolutely no life within it. There's not an ounce of life in it. And it's to be protected. That's what love does. It protects us. And so here it says, here again, with fire and his head, with his legs and with the pertinence thereof. And you will, leave, you will let nothing of it remain until the morning. Don't. And that which does remain until the morning, you will burn with fire. It's still, still, it's not to be wasted. God will still, it's still his fire that consumes it. And there's going to be no waste and God doesn't allow it. In verse 11, and thus you will eat it with your loins girded and your shoes on your feet. And what does that speak of? We're following his steps as he walked through this world system. You see, he never settled down in any measure in this world system. In 1 Peter 2 and verse 21, in Psalm 37, verse 23, the steps of a man that is graced out by God are ordained of the Lord. Of course, it's Christ. As he walked through this world system, like we are in 1 Peter 2.11, we're to be strangers and pilgrims. We're on our way to our promised land. Here we have no continuing city, nothing about us, not the language of the world, not the way the world thinks that mixes itself with the word of God where we come up with our private opinions and how we think we should see things and how people should do certain things. My God, God needs to deal with us personally and individually. Constantly, every single one of us. We have no continuing city here in Hebrews 13, 14, but we seek one to come. We're on our way through. We're not settling down here, especially some of us in our old age. And an age, at an age, an older age, where we just not want nothing but the purity of the fellowship of God through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe he has that for, for us at our certain age periods. 
and he doesn't want it to be disturbed. I know that for an absolute fact in my life. And I know it for each of us, too, in every period of growth, but much more to be experienced and realized in a restful way in the comfort of his love at an older age, having gone through a multitude of things. We can see this clearly in the scriptures. And this is the word of God today. This isn't Ed's opinion. This is the word of God flowing through a weak and frail vessel, but it's the purity of the word of God. And so, again, it says, your feet, your, your, your shoes on your feet. This is, this is beautifully bringing out in the midst of spiritual warfare as we're passing through this world system, we have our feet shod with a preparation of the gospel of peace in Ephesians 6 and verse 15. And I can tell you, boy, that's in my older age at this point, that's what I want and desire. That's it. That's it. My feet shod and with my walk with nothing but peace, nothing but peace at all. And so your feet and your staff in your hand. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love that, the staff. That's the under shepherd, under the great shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd in John 10, 11 and 14. He's the, he is the great shepherd in Hebrews 13, 20. And oh, in our lives, and I know in my life, in 1 Peter 5, verse 4, he is the chief shepherd. And those words flow from one shepherd. And that's Jesus Christ in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 11. And with your staff in your hand, meaning, you, and Paul said, follow me in 1 Corinthians 11, 1. He said, follow me. That's what I want at this stage of my life. Follow me as I follow Christ in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1. And that with a staff, with the staff, follow it with the rod of authority through the word of God passing through. Just like Moses with his rod. It spoke of the authority of God's love through the scriptures as a type there. And that's what he said there. And, and your staff in your hand, and you will eat it in haste. Don't waste any time, but feed on him instantly. Instantly, we to feed on him. It is the Lord's Passover. Verse 12, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night. And boy, is he doing that continually in this world system where we are. We can see it, the relevance of it the prevalence of it in our country. We can see it crystal clear. I'll pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and, and creature and animal, and against all the gods, all those that rule, princes really, all those that rule under Satan in, in his world system of Egypt. And I will execute judgment, loving justice, I am the Lord, and the blood will be to you for a token. You see, that's why. See, the blood's a token. The blood was poured out after spiritual death, but that blood was pure, and it was a token of the loving justice of God met in propitiation. 
in Genesis 22 and verse 8. And for us, without that shedding, without the proof of it, in Hebrews 9 and verse 22, there would be no canceling, no passing over, no remission of sins. There will be a token to you upon the house, each individual, the house of God, where to dwell, where let the word that Christ is to dwell in us richly in Colossians 3 and verse 16, you see. We're to let that dwell in us. <clears throat> where you are, and the house is where you are. And then he said, when I see the blood, and it doesn't say when we see it, because we can't determine the value of it. We must receive it through brokenness, continually through the preciseness and preaching and teaching of the word of God, the purity of it, the purge, what went into that blood as a token that was poured out. And that's why even it says in Romans 5, 5, the love of Christ is poured out without measure, without measure, and the blood is a token of that. Well, and he said, when I see the blood, because only God can determine the intense value that's in it and all what it costs God to be a father to us, to be one who would control us, the depth and intimacy of his desire to have us. This is what it cost him. And we see it here in these types. But he said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague will not be upon you to destroy you. It will not be upon you at all for a destruction. You know, Psalm 107, verse 20 says, he sent his word. That's our precious Savior in John 1 and verse 14. The word being made flesh, dwelling among us. He sent his word in Psalm 107, verse 20. And he healed them. And there's a healing when we're broken. There's a healing when we don't think that we have to take precedence over someone and think that we've arrived at a place where now we think we can counsel others that counseled us for years and think that now I have this counsel instead of feasting on Christ. Instead of, instead of seeing things through a, a proper taste, the way that he does. To see it, and to see it clearly. And then he said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And the plague will not be upon you to destroy you. We know that the thief has come, and oh, how subtle he is. Genesis 3, 1, 2 Corinthians eleven three. I'm going to tell you, we have no idea how subtle he is. Subtlety Subtlety can't have its evil effect when we're broken. When we are broken. Not when we think just because that God now is promoting us and using us in a mighty way that now we, we think we're someone else's counselor. Nonsense. Total nonsense. And God won't have it. He's not going to have it. When, when I will smite the land of Egypt, and this day will be unto you a memorial. A memorial. 
You know, when we take communion, you'll see that in Matthew, the 26th chapter. You will see it in 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, where the Holy Spirit will bring it out through the Apostle Paul. This is what we do. We eat his flesh and drink his blood. We'll see that this morning. This day will be unto you for a memorial, and you will keep it a feast of the Lord throughout your generations. You will keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Seven days will you eat unleavened bread. Even the first day will you put away leaven out of your house, leaven out of your particular house. You is God's dwelling place. Do you see? He moves it out, the leaven of the fleshly nature, and brings in, in Colossians 3 and verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, not just partial, not just thinking I understand things when I haven't seen the whole picture. You know, in 1 John 3, 20, if our hearts condemn us, and that's partial knowledge. That's thinking I know enough to, that I can see enough that I know how to counsel certain things. Now, it says in 1 John three twenty, if my heart condemns me, and it will if I don't have this. Listen, if I don't have all knowledge, and all knowledge there is the specific wisdom that will God will give me at that particular time, and it only flows in and through brokenness. Otherwise, we lift ourselves up and make something of ourselves when the truth is, and I mean it, and I'm speaking it from the Word of God clearly this morning, crystal clear. You know, right now, it's 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13. I thank God when we all receive the Word this morning, we received it as it is in truth, the Word of God and not the Word of man. This morning, right now, it's not the Word of man. It's the word of God, which will work effectually in you when you receive it that way. Lest we forget. Lest any of us forget. It'll be a memorial. And you're to put out leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eats leavened bread from that first day until the seventh, that soul will be cut off from fellowship with God. Do you see? And then we see, in, we see it again. We see it again. And God's love so protects us. He so protects us. And that love wants to protect in 1 John 2, 12 and through 14. And we're going to see it. He so wants to protect the babes. And so do I. And so do I. And the young men. And you best believe, so do I. So do I. So do I. And when we gather together, it's to be fellowship around Christ and not to be mixed with anything else. And if we need definition on that, let's read Ephesians, the fifth chapter, one through five. One through five. You see, read that, and we'll leave it at that. We see in Exodus, the 16th chapter, we see here the congregation once again murmuring. There's a murmuring that goes on. You know, most murmuring that happens when we have it in ourselves and against each other is from a, an intense spirit of familiarity. And there's a mocking spirit in familiarity. It's an intense mocking 
spirit and familiarity and in, in the flesh. And 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 I ha- and first I'm just telling you in me that's what needs to be dealt with in me. That's God's business is that doing it in me. Then my business as as a 70-year-old preaching the word of God is to preach the word of God precisely, concisely, and clearly. And then it's his business. Then it becomes his business. But my business under the as an under-shepherd is to protect the sheep here. Which by his, and I say it in brokenness and in tears, which at this point in my life, he will have me doing without any question about it, without a doubt about it. And if anyone thinks otherwise, talk to me privately. Just come armed with the scriptures when you do so, please. And I speak this in love. The Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, I have heard the murmuring of the children of Israel. Speak unto them, saying, At evening you will eat flesh, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. And you will know, when you feast on Christ, you will know who is your God. You will know who our God is, and so will we. And fellowship, or the lack of it, will prove it. Verse 13, and it came to pass that even the quails came up at the evening time. The quails came up and covered the camp, and, and in the mornings the dew lay round about the host. And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there was a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost, the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what? What is this? It is manna. For they did not know what it was, you see. They didn't know yet. They hadn't partaken of it yet. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Gather of it every morning according to his eating. You see that? The most important time to get the word of God is the morning. The scriptures are filled with it. Read Psalm 62, Psalm 63. Read it. Proverbs 8, 17. I love them that love me and those that seek me early will find me. It's what you feed on in the morning. It's most important. Some, some have enough. They don't have to gather. They don't have to. Know how the enemy likes to divide. Terrible. Very subtle. Very subtle. It is manna. And the Lord's this is said, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Notice that? He's not asking us. He doesn't ask us to come and hear the word. He commands us to do so. He commands us to do it. He's not asking. It's the authority of his love commanding. Because after all, we're not our own. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, we're not our own. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16. What makes me think that I can interpret the scriptures with my will? 
in 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. What makes me think I can do that? What makes me think I can do that? Determine another who's given me the word for years and then take that word and determine what they should do. What makes me think that? I don't understand. Well, I'm not having it. I need the word in me, but I'm not having that. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Gather of it every morning according to his eating. An omer for every man according to the number of your persons. Take you every man for them which are in his tents. And the children of Israel did so and gathered. Now here, some more, oh boy, some less. You know, I don't know what some of us think. That others in a certain area, don't even gather it there. Why would they gather it somewhere else if they don't even do it there? That I don't understand. You see, I don't understand that at all. You know, you know Matthew 12, 30 and Mark 9, 40 make it crystal clear. He that is not with me is against me. It's not that you're against the person. He that is not with me as an individual, is, the enemy is going to use it to be against. And he that gathers not, scatters abroad. Gathered means you have the purity of fellowship. That's what it means. Some more, some less. And when they did meet it with an omer, he that gathered much had nothing over. And he that gathered Little had no lack. Why? I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. Because there's certain men, by the pure grace of God, that have gathered a ton more, a lot more, by pure grace, and been around and gathered much to give those that only gather this much. That's why we have the word like this this morning, by the way. You know, there's a reason for that. <laughs> they had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating. And some can't feed themselves. Man, some think that, you know, everything is smooth. And yeah, wait till the next trial. Everything's going good, right? Yeah, God is using me. It's great. Great, great. I'm happy for that. I'm blessed by it. But guess what? Guess what? They gathered every man according to his eating. God fills a vessel. And he did it by grace with the Apostle Paul. It's what he did. He filled him up so that he could have fellowship with Titus. He kept going after him constantly. He kept going after him and feeding him. Finally, they could have fellowship. They could have fellowship with Paul continually, continually giving him the word and then Titus having that word in his own individuality functioning beautifully, seamlessly, Perfectly. Every man to his own meeting. And Moses said, let no man leave of it till the morning. Till the morning. Notwithstanding, they hearken not unto Moses. No, they didn't need Moses anymore. <laughs> they, they got enough of the word from Moses now that they know how to function. <laughs> it's very interesting to me. I never understood that. In all humility and brokenness. Never understood that. Yeah, they thought they could be weaned from Moses. But some of them left of it until the morning. 
and that bred worms. You know, this always deals with a defiled conscience. That's what worms speak of. Defiled conscience. You'll see that Nick. You'll see that in Isaiah 66, 22. You'll see it in Mark 9, 44, 46, and 48. It's a defiled conscience in Titus 1 and verse 15. This is what I desire with men. Purity. Purged conscience. Purity of the word where there's not an ounce of familiarity or subtlety of the enemy entering in through the flesh. I'm not, at this point in my life, I do not want it and won't have it. No, you can check. Check your Bibles. Check your church history. Men get older. They get older. Then it's to be a time of rest. And those that have been, that, that, that God has raised up that man to minister to them, now they come around in protection and minister to him in fellowship. They don't have their separate plans. Well, they left of it until the morning, and it bred worms, and it stunk. See, no fellowship, defiled conscience. And Moses was wroth with them. And they gathered it every morning, every man, according to his eating. And when the sun uh, waxed hot, it melted. You know, this is what Jesus was saying. And I'll read what Jesus was saying in the types here. I don't know. This is what he was saying in John the 12th chapter. And verse 35. Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Light. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walks in darkness knows not where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may be the children of the light. These things spoke Jesus, and then guess what he did? He departed. He departed. And did hide himself from them. Would God hide his love? Would Christ hide his love for us when we walk in the light? Never. Never would. That's what Paul was saying. That's what he said to those that he taught for years. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me. Titus was never weaned from him. Never. They had a beautiful fellowship constantly. Now in the types as we continue here in John the 6th chapter here. In John chapter 6. These were the, these he's speaking to the Pharisees, he's speaking to the unbelievers. Verse 30 of John 6, they said therefore unto him, what sign, what sign do you, do you, do you show then that we may see and believe you? We want, we want the sign first, then we're going to believe you. What do you do? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. They're going all the way back to where we just left in Exodus 16th chapter. In the desert, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Truly, truly, I say unto you, Moses gave, he didn't give you the bread from heaven. He didn't do that. But my father gave you. He gave you not that bread that was from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. You know, when you feast on the true bread, now you have true fellowship and in true fellowship and in exchange of it, there's not an ounce of familiarity. 
Not an ounce of it. Not even a little bit. No. Mm -mm. We have a pure fellowship. Well, for the bread of God is he which which came down from heaven and gave and still does give life unto the world, the mass of humanity. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am. It's way back in Exodus 3 and verse 14. So we know who was speaking, the pre-incarnate Christ, bringing out the Father with the power of the Holy Spirit, as they being one. This is what he was saying, I am the bread of life. He that what? Comes to me. He that comes to me will never hunger. And he that believes on me will never thirst. But I said unto you that you also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And him that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, my own plans, my own counsel, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which sent me, that of all which he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone that sees the Son and believes on him may have everlasting, no, eternal life, every place, eternal life, and I will raise him up the last day. Verse 43, don't murmur among yourselves. You see, that's what familiarity will do. It will cause a murmuring and a familiarity and a comparison. Murmur not among yourselves. No man comes to me except the Father which which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will be taught. They will all be taught. This is Isaiah 54 and verse 13. This is Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34, brought out clearly in the Scriptures. Very clearly and precisely, as we learn in Isaiah 28, 10 to 13, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, and hopefully we fall backwards and land on it in humility so that we can receive it. Not that any man, as it is written, they will be taught of God, every man therefore, that has heard and has learned of the Father comes to me. Not that any man has seen the Father, save he which is of God. Jesus referring to himself in John 1 and verse 18. No created being, angel or man, has ever seen God in all his fullness. Only the uniquely, one-of-a-kind, begotten Son, eternal generation Son. Let's figure that one out can only spell him out, can only exegete him, as God does through the word. No, but only he which is of God, he has seen the Father. And truly, truly, I say unto you, he that believes on me has eternal life. I am the bread of life, and we're to feed on it. You can follow it all the way down through to the end of the chapter here. And some that didn't want to feed anymore on him, so some that did, even those that were taught, it says in 66, from that time that Jesus spoke this to them, many of his disciples 
Those that were truly born again, those that were truly taught, went back. Oh, boy. They went back and walked no more with him. Then Jesus said unto the others, the twelve, will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, saying, Lord, who will we go to? You have the words of eternal life, and we believe in our, and we are sure that you are that Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, the Son of the living God. Well, as I wrap it up this morning here, as God laid this on my heart in a very beautiful personal way, what he, and all of this truth has to, to, to do with him dealing in me first. I just want to make that crystal clear. That's, that's the one that I'm thinking of this morning, me. In Psalm 34 and verse 1, this is a heart that is broken. This is a heart that just has, has, allows Christ to be poured in and then allows him to be poured out. I will bless the Lord when? At all times. His praise, his praise, his person, his work, nothing about me, not a single thing about me will be in my mouth as a confession because if it's not Christ, then it's corrupt. In Ephesians 4 and verse 29, let no corrupt communication. See, that's speaking like the world. That's using the world's words. That's laughing at what the world laughs at. And we can, any of us, get into the flesh in a millisecond. You see. My soul will make her boast in the Lord. No longer in self-consciousness. No. The humble, oh, I like this one. The humble will hear thereof and be glad. And then we'll magnify the Lord together. That's fellowship. That's 1 John 1, 1 to 3, sharing it in verse 4. And let us exalt his name together. Not use the word to exalt what I think, what I should do. No, you just preach the word. You preach the word. I sought the Lord. And because I did, he heard me. And he delivered me from all my fears. He also delivered me from all the fears of others entering into me. They looked unto him. This is Hebrews 12, verse 2. Looking away from all that would distract unto Jesus. He's the author and finisher of our complete dependence. He's our file leader. He's leading us. He took us out of the world in, in the types like God raised up Moses to do for the children of Israel, and then he led them through the wilderness, and they were going on their way to the promised land. And oh, how some fought Moses. They didn't need his counsel. They didn't need it. They had enough of their own to not need it anymore. They looked unto him and were lit up. 
And because of that, that light, the purity, the fire of the word, the separating, sanctifying, purifying process of growing in grace and knowledge in 2 Peter, Peter 3 and verse 18, they were lit up and, and guess what? Their faces, how they saw themselves through the mirror of the word, how they saw themselves in James 1, 21 to 25, how they saw themselves, their faces were not ashamed. This poor man, bankrupt in ourselves, and we need to learn that. And the flesh dwells no good thing in Romans 7, 18 and John 6, 63. This poor man cried, and he has to bring us to that place again. What's the cry? Oh, I just discovered. It seems that it comes out in specific areas where there are needs, but you know it's the one need, and it's Christ. And he supplied all my need in Philippians 4.19 through the limitless and for all throughout all eternity the limitless knowledge and love of Christ that will pass knowledge and just keep us hungry for it for all eternity in Ephesians 3 and verse 19. They were not ashamed. This poor man cried. The Lord heard him and then now he delivered him out of all his troubles. The angel, the presence of the Lord, the angel of the Lord surrounds those that reverence him in awe. And that's what I want. I want this with every man. I want the reverence and awe of Christ. I want to submit to Christ in the vessels in Ephesians 5 and verse 21, especially at this stage of my life which happens to be Psalm 90, verse 10, between the ages of 70 and 80. It camps around about them that have a reverence and awe of them, and he delivers them constantly. You know why? And this is going to bring out Exodus, the 12th chapter. This is going to bring out Exodus, the 16th chapter. This is going to bring out John, the 6th chapter. Oh, taste and see. Oh, that the Lord is good. Only have a taste for him. Not a taste for anything else. Not another taste. Not, an, not another desire to ever be with another believer other than to have Christ. Because it'll affect us. He that is wise walks with wise men. In Proverbs thirteen twenty. But a companion of fools, self-confident fools, will be destroyed. I will get me unto the great men of God because they've taught me over the years. They've taught me the great way. In Jeremiah 6 and verse 6, I will get me unto them because they teach me the bounds. In 6, 16 to 19, they've taught me through the years. Through the years. They've come after me. They've gone after me and they've taught me. Yes, it's all grace. Yes, it is but never separated from the vessel. And no longer do we do that. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for there's no lack in them that have a reverential awe and fellowship with him. Even the young lions do lack. Those that we need to be careful, young men. In 1 Timothy 3, 6, novices. And we can all have novices. 
We can be old men and still have novice tendencies and be very ignorant of them. In 1 Timothy 3 and verse 6, the young lions do lack and they don't even realize it. And because, and when they do, they suffer hunger and they don't even realize that too. But they that seek the Lord, and how do we do that? Through the preaching and teaching of the word, through the guides that God has raised up over individuals in their lives in Hebrews 13, 17. And we're to submit ourselves to them, those that teach us, those where we come to be fed and to be taught, those are our guides. Never, never in that sense to be weaned from them. Yes, function, yes, but never separated in spirit, never. Well, but they that seek the Lord won't lack any good thing. Come, you children. Oh, boy. Come. Don't, you, don't we hear this this morning? Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But it's going to take a yoke. That means you're not going to be able to do it yourself. That means you're not going to be able to take the word and learn things that you want to do and you do by yourself without a guide. And that's called humility. That's right. And humility keeps out any familiarity or subtlety of the flesh. It just keeps it completely out. Out of all of us. That starts with me as an individual. Come, you children, hearken unto me, and I will teach you the reverential awe of the Lord. What, what is the man that desires this type of life, this depth of fellowship, and loves many days in doing it, that you may see good? Well, oh, taste and see in verse 8. When you do, you won't want to feed on anything else. You won't want to feed on the ashes in Isaiah 44 and verse 20. The ashes of the world the nothingness, which has no love involved in it. In 1 Corinthians 13, 2, without love, I am what? Nothing. And without love, what does it profit me? Is there any value in feeding on the world and on ashes and getting together and, and thinking that certain things of the flesh that are involved in it, and we have the freedom to be able to do that, call it fellowship. It's not fellowship. Never has been, never will be. And those that come should come ready to hear and be submitted and ready to hear and ready to receive without any private plans ever or any private interpretation of the word of God. That has to be established first because there won't be any proper coming for any of us and this is coming. Why do we come? We come. Why are we gathered here this morning? Why? Because God's filling a need in us that we can't do ourselves. And all of us. But he has an order in that too. And he never violates the honor of his order or the order of his honor. Never does. Never separates it. Ever. And loves many days that he may see good. Verse 13, keep your tongue from evil. Familiarity, 
Keep your tongue from evil, your thought life too, and your lips, that's, your, that's the thought life, the tongue that's hidden in the mouth, unless we stick it out and reveal certain things, certain attitudes. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking what? Deceit, guile. Depart from evil and God will, will allow the good in you and through you. Seek peace. Seek peace. Seek the fellowship and comfort of his love and intimacy of fellowship and communion. Seek peace and listen, pursue it. Pursue peace. And that's individually, by the way, in all of us. And if I seek Christ and I taste Christ, then I have that to give. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. His ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil. To cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry. Cry out. Cry out, I want more of Christ, Lord. In my older age, I want more of Christ. I want more of your, the rest and comfort and peace of your love and with individuals. And like they surrounded the beloved apostle, those that he had taught for years, they surrounded him and they carried him when he couldn't. What a beautiful thing. What a very beautiful thing that is. There's no separation. There was no distance. There was no separation. I know how the enemy tries to create distance through familiarity of the flesh, through some kind of a mocking that can even come out of us in the flesh that we're not even aware of in total ignorance. The eyes of the Lord are open upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. Their, the righteous cry, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near unto them that are of a broken heart. Meaning, it's Christ that's been stored up. It's the treasure. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Matthew 6, 19 and 20. And 21, because you can't serve two masters. I cannot be serving myself and think that I am having fellowship. There's nothing about the flesh that's to be involved in it. And we really need to be careful who we're with. That's why it's so very necessary to know about where we're sent. It's very, very necessary. Very necessary. A broken heart. And he delivers such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, and all of them are appointed of the Lord. Psalm 119. Psalm 119, 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Maybe I wasn't even aware that I needed to be afflicted. But then the word came. Then the word came and showed me how in my attitude, I was astray because I was no longer feeding on Christ in my own individuality. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but they're, de they're determined to do this so that the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. 
Not one of them were broken. The sacrifice, not one single one was broken. That would be Exodus 12 and verse 46. That would be Numbers 9 and verse 2 brought out clearly here. And Psalm 34 and verse 20. Evil will slay the wicked. Listen, evil will slay the one who functions as an unbeliever. That's the flesh. The evil one seeks to slay us. He does. He seeks to slay each other. He wants to cause distance to do so. Evil will slay the wicked, and and they that hate the righteous will be what? Will be desolate. And really, it says, a functioning in iniquity. He, the Lord, redeems the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him can the enemy cause to be desolate. Never will happen. You see, this is the purity. This is the purity of the flesh. This is, this is literally my desire. This is my desire to fellowship with every single person. Every single person. And I understand that's a process. I understand that. Beautifully, that's a process. And God is faithful. And he will be faithful. And he's nothing but faithfulness to us. And he wants us to write these words upon the tables of our heart, fleshly tables. Not tables of stone, hardened flesh, but fleshly tables, living tables. The life-giving word that Christ is in each of us that we can have fellowship with. And we're so thankful. And Father, we thank you this morning for the preciseness, the piercing, the beauty of your precious word this morning. And I'm so thankful for it, Lord. Thank you that you constantly, constantly have to get us separated unto you so that you can separate in us what causes any distance of separation between us and you and between us and others. And I'm thankful for that, Lord. I'm thankful for that. And thank you for each person here. And I'm thankful for every person that you have put in my life. And I desire nothing but the depth of the intimacy of fellowship. Just to be be surrounded by that and to let that flow out here. To let it flow out beautifully here as I see the love, your love and what it's preparing for us in such a beautiful, beautiful, precise way. And it's very tender. And uh, you gently guide those. In Isaiah 40, verse 11, the shepherd gently guides those that are young and those that are filled with life and ready to experience it, ready, ready to give it out. And Father, thank you for your preciseness and the beauty of your word. And Father, I just thank you that you deal with any kind of pride of familiarity, a mocking spirit, an attitude in my own life. And I just don't want it, Lord. I don't want it. I want to see every man and every woman in the purity of how you see them. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 16, to know no man after the flesh, but to see them in the newness of the life that Christ is in them in 5.17. And even when I can't, when I can't have fellowship and when I need to be separate from them, they're still yours and you still enter into giving yourself to prayer so that you can... The Lord can minister the word rightly for you, towards you, and towards them. 
And thank you for the beauty of your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.